Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the American Reconstruction Project. It is 1-11-2015, and it looks like we have a few people on tonight who was not able to get a blast out on the e-invites, so that may be part of the reason it be after Christmas. Maybe there's really, really cold weather we've been having. Um, I had four new people that I had met and gave the number to. I thought they might show up tonight, but people were invariably excited at the moment, but they lose attention very quickly these days, I've noticed. Um, and there's so much in the news, and this cold blast has been incredibly harsh. Um, I insulated all of my pipes, which I didn't do last year, and they only froze a couple times, and that's, you know, because I'm running a hose all the way from the well. So this year I went out and insulated everything, and I didn't take into account a wind chill factor of minus 10 degrees. Um, which managed to go through all the insulation and everything else and freeze it, even though I had water running. It never was running fast enough, so um, I learned a hard lesson there. Um, guest five. We have the people, okay, we the people have to tell the government they work for us. Well, yeah, somebody was actually talking about that uh, the other day about the utilities that people are not even supposed to be paying for utilities because the companies, uh, we the people, allow them to incorporate and to do a business and sell it to the larger businesses. And in exchange, all the leftovers are supposed to be given to the people at no charge. That was kind of the way it worked out. But uh, obviously that's been changed so that the people being taxed and metered and metered taxed and permitted to death. Um, and yes, and I am asking... I have not had any volunteers. It seems like the more I ask for volunteers or donations, the less people show up and the less people want to call in. It's kind of bizarre. Uh, I guess Americans really have turned into Americans. They can't do anything, just talk about it and think about it. Uh, as I said, I think one of the great things that we need to do is to institute um, legislation one way or the other public policy, however you want to put it, that requires all public servants to be periodically tested as to their knowledge of an accurate use of the Constitution, and in particular, the unanimous Declaration of Independence, from which all of this is derived from. Um, you know, I mentioned this many times. I'm going to do a short one here tonight, so I'm going to start from a basis foundation so that I can send people here and they'll get the foundation of where, what this is all about. Um, let's go back. I've done this a few times before, but I'm going to make this kind of like a little special one here so because it's going to be a short one. And so I want to just review it from the very, very beginning uh, of renewing people's minds because I, when I talk to my mentor, he constantly pounds into my head what I, I get sidetracked. Even though I clearly understand it, I still haven't got it put together properly in the legal realm. And I'm beginning to understand it, that you want to 
act in a manner that an attorney would act like. By the way, nobody here is an attorney that I know of. We don't want to be one uh, because they, they're always at law. That's what it's called an at. They're always turning law on its head, they're turning it at turnees, and they're always kicking people in the knees. Now, a lawyer, on the other hand, depending upon their integrity, is somebody who's educated in law. So we're getting there. Um, but I want to go back again because I've tried this many times, and I think a couple last times I lost people. People mentioned to me, you never finished it. So I hope I get to and finish it tonight. Let's go back, 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 back. Then you, the whole concept which we can look at, see these principles are basically laid out in the unanimous Declaration of Independence. Because if you, if you understand it very clearly, you see that in nature, no two things are alike. And science tells us that no two snowflakes are alike, no two grains of sand are alike. And in fact, whatever is right now at this instant will not be in another instant and probably never will be again. Now, this is a phenomenon which anybody can see. And what we can conclude from that, I use the words what is self-evident from that, is that the creator, whatever you believe creator may be or may be not or he, her, it, whatever. Um, and I think religion is just another creation of the creator. So that's why I look at it that way. And I can see that um, that the founders uh, went to that, were willing to come off of their religious stance and come to a unified uh, concept called the creator, um, which is interesting because I finally read that I think for the really sunk in this time when I was reading the Constitution for Maryland and you cannot hold I didn't know that you cannot hold office here unless um, you believe in God it's very strange but that's what it says um, but the unanimous declaration of independence does not say that but the whole principle is this is that who or whatever uh, created everything created out of all of these multi-billions and trillions of universes out there, there's one universe that happens to have a solar system, that happens to have a very small sun, that happens to be very stable for millions of years, that happens to have several planets circling around it, and one of these planets is just the right distance away, that water can, make, can be in all three forms, and, um, and it also is at just the right distance from the sun, to receive that type of warmth. It's also on an axis where it spins at a particular rate. Um, and it also is a tilted axis, which is very important because you need that in order to have your circulation of weather and, and having different seasons, which is what helps all of, the, all of the nature to work like it does. And it also happens to have a moon, which causes tides, which again causes most of the weather that we have because it causes the water to continuously flow around the globe. So there's a whole lot that, that we can uh, conceive of now that we have a bigger picture of how the globe works itself <clears throat> and see how remarkable it truly is. And then to realize that we actually have water on here in all three forms and also that this water is utilized and covers a great deal of the earth and that it's utilized in many different ways and the tide can go up and down, so to speak, over uh, uh, tens of years, hundreds of years, even thousands of years, because by simply freezing one end um, of the earth, you end up creating a huge ice pack, and that then will draw the water off of the rest of the um, continents and dry it out. And we see this because 
we're finding civilizations that are 50 to 100 to 200 feet below the sea, huge, huge cities, um, just absolutely amazing stuff. Some of it only like 30, 40 feet beneath, uh, beneath the sea. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting to see this as, as an evolutionary type of thing that, well, here's civilization and here's the elite sitting on the coast, water coast, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, swoosh, guess what? <laughs> the elite are no longer around. They don't have their beachfront property anymore. It's all gone. So um, I don't know if I'm predicting anything or not, but I just think it's kind of fascinating. So my point to continue is, is that when you look at this, you can't help but see how fantastic and marvelous and incredible it is and recognize that all of this was created and given to us, that we already have it. It's already ours. We own it. And we are supposed to be good shepherds of it. We're supposed to be the caretakers of it. And what's happened is that, as the unanimous Declaration of Independence says, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. Well, actually, you know what? I want to read it right from the very, very beginning. I haven't memorized the very, very beginning yet. So I'm going to read that. Um, because it does the layout of pretty much what I was saying a minute ago. And there's a reason I'm going into this. Um, all right. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, okay, there they're recognizing the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, which is what? That to secure these rights, governments instituted among men. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles. So there you have the key to everything is principles. And organizing its powers, see, where does it come from? We, the people, are organizing the powers. In such form as to them, that's the people, shall seem most likely to effect, which means to cause it to come about, their safety and happiness. And then, of course, it goes on, prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind, being the idiots that they are, are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable, and apparently these days even when they're not sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. So it seems that mankind these days has become so accustomed to the abuses um, and, and usurpations that 
that they uh, absolutely refuse to write themselves or they've completely forgotten that we're the creators. And even what's fascinating when you look at it is they were removing themselves even from the British crown, which meant these people were raised to believe that, oh, my God, that, you know, that's like the, the queen is the god, the, the crown is everything. So for them to have the courage to break away from that, which they knew basically other than the fact that they were educated and had been traveled and knew that there were other governments and other civilizations, that they recognize that, hey, you know, this is not the only government of the world kind of thing, even though, um, you know, England was pretty doggone powerful. So you, you begin to see the risk that they took. And here, what's so fascinating is we already have a government instituted by the people, and the people are refusing to shepherd it. So it's just absolutely bizarre to me. Um, are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object, events as a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, which means control and, and, and power, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off, not to overthrow, but to throw it off as you throw a coat off, or as I always talk about the toaster, or to throw it out, uh, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Security of what? that to secure these rights. That's what they're talking about continuously. Um, and the reason I mention this is because it's extremely important to understand where all of this is derived from, that the government itself is derived from the people. It comes from us. It's one of our creations, no less than what Hale versus Hinkle that says a corporation is a creation of the state. And all creations of the state are presumed to be for the benefit of the people just like these municipalities. We're not supposed to be paying for electricity or gas or, or water, any of these things. It's the corporations that are making money that, that make these things off of other big business and other corporations, and instead of taxing them, we just simply say, well, all right, provide us with the, with the water and with the electricity and, and whatever else it is that the people need. And think about it. Why on earth would anyone create a business or a corporation or anything that is not going to provide some kind of service or benefit to them. So would you create a corporation that you had to keep paying money into all the time and that your great, 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 great grandkids would still have to pay even more money into or to tax them or to tell them what they can't? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and if it wasn't for the brainwashing of the people, it wouldn't make any sense. So unfortunately, most people have been brainwashed and conditioned by the public fool system, and they've allowed... Uh, their whole complete being to be taken over, their spirit, their integrity, their their uh, conscience, uh, their reliability, their um, ability to do anything. You know, it's it's like I was saying, most of the time I was talking to somebody the other day and they were reminding me again that the people in jail are the ones that are docile because they want as many criminals out here as they can possibly get and they're dwindling fast. You know, that's why they make such big news. I mean, it doesn't happen. You think about how many... Millions of people are here just in this country alone, nevertheless what's going on around the world, for the news to catch a hold of and blow up bigger than it needs to be. And you figure out how many events should be going on, and there isn't. But if you go to the courthouse, you will see that the people are busting every day. And for what? For a fleecing. Like I say, when I was in the court the other day, um, almost every single one of the individual people uh, were being fleeced for supposed uh, violations of some kind of natural resources department 
uh, rules and regulations that they made that they seem to have authority that they can make when they don't have any authority to make any rules. They seem to think they can. So, you know, this is a big problem. And uh, this goes on and on and on. And and until the people collectively begin to say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? There's just a few of us left. And that's basically what we're here to do is to help out the few that are willing to step up, stand up and say, no, you know what, uh, uh, there's got to be a way. And there is a way, and it's in the statutes, in the laws. It does require uh, some uh, a tremendous amount of energy. It requires some input. It requires an awful lot of reading. And um, the less brainwashed you are, the better, because it seems for those people that never have been brainwashed uh, and never have been go-alongers, it seems much easier for them to be able to grasp how the legal system works and how to uh, work it the way it's supposed to be. Um, people like myself who chased after the guru and the and the, uh, the you know the patriot garbage, which most of it we know is now is uh, has been um, placed in there. It's called controlled uh, controlled uh, opposition, which is where uh, I explain the control opposition real quick. Think of it this way: If you ever watch the ads for Sprite, and when you look, I, I didn't realize it until after I'd watched the ads. Remember they were talking about you know, Sprite is a non-cola, and they were putting down colas and all that other stuff. But then when you look at the bottom of the ad, at the end of the ad, it said the Coca-Cola company. You're like, what? Well, you know, it's kind of the same thing. There's no, What is it? One politician said there's no such thing as bad press. <clears throat> when you're in the news, people know you. So even if it's bad press, it's still good press. And we see this in business all the time where people have, you know, things pointed out and terrible things. The next thing you know, they're getting 5 million hits on their website that they didn't have before. So controlled opposition is similar to that in that what they do is they'll put something out knowing that it's missing something, uh, that it doesn't have all the pieces that are necessary or it's completely ridiculous in the first place. And then they get a hold of some salesman. They probably, he's under some sort of con artist charge already. And then they'll put him up to um, teaching people, putting up seminars and so on. And he's happy because he's making money. It's probably part of the deal. You get to keep the money that you make at these seminars. You can rip off from these people. And they teach these people how to do things like the uh, the, the what is the uh, 1099 OID stuff, for instance. And, uh, you know, people start doing it. They learn it. They study it. And they, they start doing it. And, they, and, and next thing you know, they're looking at, at, at jail time. Um, you know, at the very last minute, they think, oh, okay, there's no problem, but then, like, the statute of limitations may be 12 years, and here it is, 11 years and nine months. Next thing you know, here come the charges. And I, and this, I'm speaking from somebody who I know this has happened to, several people. So when you hear stuff that just seems too good, it probably is. And if you, if you can't find where it's specified in the law, it probably isn't there. We've talked about that. So... People need to truly, truly understand that the government is our creation. We're responsible for it. We're supposed to know what we're doing. We're supposed to be adults by this time, and I don't think hardly any of us know what that means anymore. I think that whole concept has just completely dissipated the idea of responsibility and being uh, being responsible. It's like we've shifted. We've gone from the responsible adults or apparently apparent uh, responsible adults to, uh, you know, flower children that are like, oh, okay, man, it's like, you know, here are three generations away, and everybody's like still, you know, they're not applying themselves in any way. 
I don't know. I, I, I can't point the finger without three of them pointing back. I'm doing the best I can to hang in as well. So I, I kind of get it. Uh, and the days seem very, very short. I remember when days just seemed to be, you could get a lot done. Um, and I will admit I can get a lot done in a day. Um, when it comes to the physical stuff, which used to take forever, now in comparison to study, um, you know, it does take an awful lot uh, more time to sit down and because you really, really need to focus on this stuff and really change your brain and get it to think. And, and like we were talking the other day, we're reading the statutes and law. We're like, okay, it's not there. What, what we're looking for is not there. That's what you have to look for in the law, is that it doesn't apply to you because it not, does not specify you, okay, or, or, what, or the activity that you're engaged in. That's why you want to look, where's the citus? Always remember that word. Where is the citus? Where's the specific law that says somebody who's living his life, doing what he wants to do, and having, you know, watching TV or sitting down in his house, you know, where does the government get any power uh, to regulate him. He absolutely none. That's not what we created the government to do. That's why I want to go back to the original. I mean, did, you know, first of all, would I would ask a question, would you create a government that would govern everything that you do and tax everything you do? I don't think you would, but even if you would, the question is, do you have the right to infringe on anyone else's right? No. Because whatever you think, you should be doing with your house. Obviously, you think everybody should be doing. So, as I said to, as you know, one person may like their grass uh, really, really short. Another person may like it a little bit longer. I like to let my grass grow. I like to let it grow until it seeds, and then I cut it down so it seeds itself. And after a year or two, places that were bare um, are have grass on them, and people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on seeding and this and that and the other thing, and they never let their own. Um, grass seed. So they're spending thousands of dollars to get what I do very cheaply. And I use the, 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 whatever the clippings are, and I put them into the, into the spot, into the uh, barren spots. So everyone has their own way of doing things. Of course, I think my way is right. They think their way is right, even though they probably don't think at all. They just do what they've been told to do. That's what it says in the newspaper. So we call somebody else out to do it. You know, um, Rico Man and I were talking the other day that we cannot understand how uh, anybody, uh, in particular men, cannot understand or don't know anything about their car, don't know anything about electricity, don't know anything about plumbing, nothing about fixing or doing anything. It's just amazing. Um, and, and, and the question, you know, I asked them some very deep questions, you know, how did you get this way? You know, because when you find somebody who is being more successful than you, it's a good idea to mimic what they do. And a lot of that mimicking, what I've learned from many other seminars, uh, which people pay thousands of dollars. What's that guy's name? He, he charges thousands of dollars. Big, tall guy. Can't think of his name. But one of the things is you want to mimic uh, what other people are doing. And the biggest thing you'll find that you want to mimic is the way they think. Why do they do things? And I asked him the other day, you know, well, you know, what is different about you and me right now? Why am I having such a problem with it when you, you're such at ease? Well, first of all, he's not under fire. But really, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's a good excuse, but I'm looking to solve a problem, so I'm not going to make excuses. So, you know, let's just say that that adds 10 to 20%, even though I know that it adds 99% to me. But if I have a right attitude, if my mindset is correct, then I know it will only have maybe 10% increased uh, anxiety and be able to mess with my head that much. So I asked. And what I discovered 
was something that I had taught myself in college, which is to find a way to make it enjoyable. And I had forgotten all about that. When I was in college, that's when I started getting A's. When I made every course that I was taking, when I wrote my own syllabus, you know, the teacher had their syllabus, and I would immediately go home, and I would sit down, and I would create my own syllabus of what I wanted to learn from this class. After all, I'm paying for it. I'm here to learn something. What is it that I want to take from this course? And a lot of times before I even took the course, I would write down what I wanted to learn from this particular professor. And I remember I did my homework. I studied my professors. So there was a lot of things I was doing right back then that I haven't been doing right lately. And I was reminded of it when I was talking to him the other day. And he mentioned that he makes it fun. That this is something that he's been doing for a long time whenever he had some spare time. This is not something that he waits until the last minute. And I have to admit, I was called the three-week wonder. I could cram uh, a whole semester into basically three weeks on several classes. And uh, that doesn't work here so well um, because of the stress factor. It's just not worth it. And, and I did learn that in college, too. I think about the third or fourth year, I finally figured, you know, why don't you get ahead of the ball game? And every time I did, I was so happy, didn't know what to do to myself, that I put myself behind the eight ball again. And, you know, it's almost like we, we live on that adrenaline rush with that, that stress. And I think that might be part of our programming unknowingly, is that we, we, we're so used to that stress. You know, what do they call it, a um, uh, negative reinforcement instead of positive reinforcement. Yeah, you want to say something? Go ahead. You just muted yourself out. Um, um, so I wanted to share that with you, that we, we've got to keep our heads on straight. If there's nothing else that you, you need to remember all the time is that this creation was given to us. It was already given to us. If you believe in Christ and the whole Christ thing, salvation was a gift, Okay price was paid, remember? We don't need to pay the price anymore. We're supposed to be paying the price. The price has been paid. We own it. It's ours, but we need to manage it. This is our creation. And I think, you know, that, that maybe some of us might start beginning to think about um, if and when the time comes that the people wake up, knowing people and looking at history uh, most probably what will go, what will happen is what's happened before is that the people that are reasonably intellectual will be um, even further removed from society and, um, and then you're going to get back to the basis of might equals right, which is almost where we're at today. So, um, you know, and I think some people are looking forward to it. I really think that in the end people want this, this violence thing to happen I know that the elite want it to happen so that they can eliminate. And that's part of the reasons why they have wars is to get rid of the men and the women that would stand up and have integrity and would fight for their country and would fight for morals and principles. Well, obviously, if you're a criminal, you don't want people around who have morals and principles, do you? So what do you do? Create wars and create, dun, 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 you've got to go save your country. And you create all this wonderful lies and that's why I believe that's there's 15, I think it's either 13 or 15 veterans are committing suicide every day. I was, un, I was stunned by that. And 
I guess the only I know from my own personal experience is that it's because a lot of people cannot uh, stand the remorse. They, they, there's not enough remorse uh, for the sins that they committed under the wrongful belief that they were doing it for the right reasons. And it's it's one thing for people to say, well, you didn't know, and you can be forgiven, but it's a whole other thing to try and forgive yourself. I must admit, I've been very, very blessed. I did not take a life, um, at least not that I know of, um, as a result of anything during battle or any any of my service. Um, I don't know how, but there's... And, and throughout my whole life, I could say probably three, four hundred times maybe I was supposed to have done something and I should have been dead and here I am. So I, I'm not sure um, why, but there must be a reason. So I'm thankful for that. Um, and I just want people to understand that 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 the government um, is ours and we need to stop separating ourselves from the government and we need to start managing it and we have to manage it by the laws that are written um, and, until, of course, you know, we throw it off and start a whole new one. And and if we're going to start a new one, let's make sure that we make sure we put safeties in there. I think that they did the um, they the um, the three branches of government, uh, and even then they were still somewhat worried. They did the best they could, you know, like they said, organizing its powers in such form as to them will seem most likely for what they knew at the time um, they felt you know because of the education they didn't have such industry and there wasn't worldwide communication and so on um, but they knew about the banksters um, and they tried to throw things off they knew how corrupted judges were I was told the other day that if you're an attorney that you were sent back on a ship you weren't even allowed to hit land um, so that's how serious they were back then but over time, that forgets. People forget. So I think we need to remind ourselves and make sure the next time that we create a government that we keep these things in mind and that we situate things in such a manner that it does not require the governing of the people, um, which eventually, obviously, we can see can be done. That's one of the reasons I do believe, and, I'm, and I think it's worth a shot, to if we um, get each one of these public all those in government get a covenant paycheck being required to have a conscience, which is knowing the difference between right and wrong, which means knowing what the actual Constitution says, what the actual unanimous Declaration of Independence says, um, having read it, having them studied. In other words, if you don't if you don't force them to do it, they won't do it. Okay? So free will, unfortunately, um, has uh, one downfall, and I think that's it. People have the free will as to whether they want to study the law or not study the law, learn it or not learn it. Now, what's interesting is the Constitution for Maryland, it says it right in there that the people are required to know the Constitution. I couldn't believe it. It says all public servants and the people shall be required to know the Constitution. I'm like, oh, and none of them know it. So I thought that, I thought that was kind of fascinating. But, um, you know, the more we read it, the more we find out that, you know, that it's not the law that's the problem. It's the, uh, it's the people that are misusing the law, misapplying the law in a way it was never intended. And, um, you know, to, in order to get your head wrapped around it, you first must understand that, hey, 
we are the masters, they are the servants. And until you keep that um, in your mind and understand that, you won't see how wrong their actions really are and that they have no authority to do what they're doing. In fact, even if there is a law in place, even if it was properly in there, and I've been reading a bunch of cases about that lately, that even if a law is in place, you can fight it because if it's unconstitutional, it's unenforceable. It is void ab initio, which means before it was even written, it was void. Because it is not in alignment with the foundation principles discussed, which we just mentioned, that to secure these rights, governments institute among men. The only reason it exists. And it's not doing that. And we can either alter it or abolish it. I'm suggesting that we alter it in this manner. We don't have, uh, I went on a show the other day and I approached it. And I got very positive response. Um, but um, the, we need a forum. People are always looking for a forum or a website. So once again, I'm looking for anyone who wants to help. Um, so that we can put up a website and actually put together the legislation so that people can just go copy-paste. Nobody wants to write anything. Um, this is something that we really need to change. Um, we all need to be prolific writers. We need to know how to write documents, how to express ourselves clearly. And it, it's like we know how to text. People know how to text. They know how to uh, uh, you know, they, do the short little sound bites and the, and the tweets and the tweet twerps and whatever else it is that they do. And uh, like a little bird chirping, you know, chirp, 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 chirp. You know, it's the same garbage. Instead of actually making something concise that makes sense, is easy to understand, and is, and is properly lawful and has the research, the background, the statutes, the case law to back it up, which is really, you know, all this stuff is. It's like every time I get done, I finally fight myself, um, you know, for a month or so or however long it is and beat myself up over it. And finally... When it's all said and done, and the joy that I feel when I get it done and filed is amazing. And I really ask myself, well, what was your problem? I mean, it was a simple, simple thing. So we're fighting ourselves more than anything else. Um, and that's why I'm reviewing it tonight, that uh, we need to understand that the Creator gave all of this to us, and that the government is nothing but a creation of the people, and that the people, you know, need to do something if it's not working for them. And it's clearly not working for us. Um, the beauty about it is if you study the law, you will see that there is built-in securities within it. Uh, just like I've mentioned before on the note, the deed of trust, there's built-in security that people would only use them. But nobody's using them. And we have to remember that the lower courts, unfortunately, because they are so corrupted, that you're not going to get anything there except to make your record so that when you go to the appeals court or when you bring charges against them in federal court, you will have your record that, hey, they did, in fact, deprive me of this right, this right, this right, and this right, and here it is all laid out in the public forum. And that's what, that's what we're doing is making our record by doing things correctly. As I've said before, there's many times in cases where they did not say that there was anything wrong with the assertions. What they said was that they were improperly pled. So we need to learn how to properly plead them. And not pleading like begging and pleading, but it's just what it's called. You make a pleading statement. So that's where we're at. Um, that's where I'm at anyway. I'm filing more stuff. i got to go to court on Tuesday uh, to um, 
and see what what goes on there and make my record again and uh and see where where we're at and what they're going to do and whether they're paying attention or not which they usually aren't and and make sure I keep a good record so um I've been using I just went through uh, uh American jurisprudence and I didn't even know this was here but I happened I said what is this pleadings in practice and I clicked on pleadings and, pleadings and practice, and I just happened to look in my same old query, which was abandonment, because of the abandoned vesselment charges. And it has a thing on abandoned vessels. By the way, abandoned vessel means it's sunk. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, it has. The whole form is actually right here. And then it goes down, subsection 17, instructs us to the jury availability of abandonment as defense in action by former owner. Uh, it has to do with apartments, this particular one, um, and it has it all typed out. In this case, the, the defendant claims that blank, he or she is entitled to the possession of the blank specified property because it was abandoned by the previous owner, the plaintiff in this case, and because the defendant took it into possession to keep as the defendant's own. Um, and then the next line, you are inst you are instructed that if you find under the evidence in this case that the plaintiff voluntarily relinquished ownership, possession, and control over the blank without intending to resume possession or ownership or intending not to resume possession or ownership and without vesting or intending to vest title in any other person and if with the intent of making it uh, excuse me, and if you find that thereafter the defendant took up possession of the blank um, with the intent of making it the defendant's own, you shall find in favor of the defendant and against the plaintiff. So this is giving you, I mean, it's literally written almost all of it out. You just fill in the blanks. I didn't even know this was here. Uh, it, this is an amazing disc. It really is. Um, and then it goes on with notes. Uh, lost and unclaimed property, which we talked about before, but this is actually the layout and the format that you can use with the actual writing. Let me go to another section and just give you an idea. Defendant denies that the defendant knowingly, intentionally, and voluntarily abandoned the property described in plaintiff blank uh, uh, or petition uh, def definition, uh, excuse me, uh, Complaint or petition of declaration, defendant alleges that on such and such a date, defendant entrusted such property to name and so on. So this is giving you how you would write it out for safekeeping and that thereafter, uh, without defendant's knowledge or con consent, uh, period, name of custodian, so you get the name of custodian, dis charge uh, such property. Uh, at no time did defendant directly or indirectly, by word, deed, or otherwise, abandon title to such property or permanently relinquish such property to any other person, but merely temporarily temporary possession thereof to uh, name of custodian, who was never authorized by defendant or anyone acting on defendant's behalf to discard such property. So that's if you put it in, in somebody else to, to uh, maintain it for you. Here's another section, section 13, answer allegation property, 
was not knowingly abandoned by owner. Defendant admits that defendant uh, uh, that defendant on such and such a date made a charitable charitable donation of uh, the number ba uh, bags of used clothing to plaintiff, but defendant denies that the defendant knew that the proper that the property claimed by plaintiff in its uh, complaint or petition declaration as having been abandoned by defendant specifically and he has specified the exact property for example number of pieces of valuable sterling silver was contained in one of the bags of donated clothing defendant did not know that such property was included among the items of used clothing bundled for donation to plaintiff and had defendant discovered the, co the oversight before the bags of used clothing were donated to plaintiff, defendant would have removed and retained such property and would not have donated the same to plaintiff or otherwise abandoned title, possession, and control of such property. So there, obviously, there was a mistake. Somebody grabbed one of the bags that had silver and stuff in it. They didn't mean to, so they have to do a declaration. This is the format. Let me give you the title up here. It tells you, uh, blah, 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 blah. and I'm just passing a little information here, what's on this disc. Uh, and I just found it, so it's kind of cool. I'm going to have to look at it. Um, checklist, this is subsection 4, checklist. Matters that should be alleged in action for declaratory judgment that plaintiff has right to possession and ownership of abandoned property. And then it gives a list. So, wow, how cool is that? Um, uh, checklist of matters inter alia that should be alleged in a complaint, petition, or declaration for de for declaratory judgment or decree that plaintiff has the right to possession and ownership of personal property previously abandoned. And then it has each one uh, jurisdictional facts if required, description of property, previous ownership of property by person abandoning it, former owner's voluntary relinquishment of possession of property, former owner's intent on or after relinquishing possession to abandoned property, an act of abandoning pursuant to and concurrent with such intent. Uh, next one, plaintiffs or predecessor to interest, assumption of possession of and claim of ownership in property following abandonment until uh, and during uh, instant suit. Next one, assertion by abandoner or other person of right to possession and or ownership of property following its abandonment. Uh, number uh, Next one, unavailability of other adequate legal remedy where required. Citation of statute under which relief is available, allegations required under particular statute, request for judgment of decree declaring that plaintiff is entitled to possession and or is owner property and for relief ancillary there too. So there's the checklist. Uh, and then they give you, um, you know, samples of how to do it. Complaint petition for declaration. So you just find the one that you want and then use what's what's there. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yes, the pen is mightier than the sword, particularly these days. Um, so we need to get busy writing. Um, and helping each other out writing. That's the other thing, too. I've been doing some proofreading for other people, and it's much easier for me to do it um, than it is for me to do my own because I, I give mine to 
uh, my mentor, and he just ripped me apart and ripped me a new butthole because I did something really stupid. I sat there and I went, you know, responded, and I put in parentheses, improperly labeled, because I was trying, you know, I'm going back to the stupid guru stuff, improperly labeled defendant. Well, that may be true, but I don't need to mention it. Um, so, you know, I made a few mistakes this week. It's, it, it, and the key here was um, passing it on to you. Remember, I'm learning, and then I'm passing on to you my lessons so we can all share them. So <clears throat> what it was is that um, I went back to my stupid thinking that they give a damn. They don't give a damn. And for me to go improperly, it's like kicking your heels together. Improperly label defendant is like, oh, we got an idiot here. Okay. It's like I just gave myself away. And really what we want to do is make it so they can't tell whether an attorney did it or you did it. That's the whole thing. We are literally having to disguise ourselves as attorneys so that we will be listened and our papers will be read. Because the moment that they see stuff like that, the first thing they do is go, ah, it's an idiot, see you later. Um, and, they, and then, of course, they don't read it, and we wonder why they haven't read it. And if you can get them to read it and you can make it to look pretty good, you might actually win um, you know, early in the game instead of having to go through the whole gambit. So the more I read my own stuff and the more I read other people's stuff, the more I can see how the system is working now, that indeed it is their sandbox. They've taken it over. It's our sandbox. We own the sandbox and all the sand in it. Problem is that we don't know how to manage them and we don't know how to force them to do what they're supposed to do. Um, I had something on um, solutions for the innocent at um, WordPress, at .wordpress.com. And on there, I had a section, and I need to, you know, redo all of it. Well, not redo, but re-ump, you know, give new stuff. But there was a section which I think today is still pretty profound. It says, how the monkey controls the gorilla by the balls. That's the way I expressed it at the time. Well, it's still pretty much true. What you need to have is law and statute and case law. That's how you control their balls. And obviously, if you control the gorilla's balls, you can control the gorilla. Because that's what this is. This is a big, huge 600-pound gorilla in the room, which scares the hell out of all of us. But if you can sit there and put a vice on those gorilla balls, and you can squeeze those gorilla balls, they'll do what you what you want them to do. All right? That's what we're about. Um, and, and, and knowing how to do that, it's just like anything else. I was mentioning how these attorneys are, but they're much like fleas on my dog. You know, that you think you got them and you're about ready to crush them or, or, or pinch them, and you got them in between your fingers, and next thing you know, they're jumping off somewhere. You know, boing, you know, they just, boing, they just jump off. And what you have to do is corral them and then absolutely, completely crush them between your fingernails or on a table or something. Because otherwise, they'll pretend like they're dead. Um, um, can you give website on a band, a, a banned property, abandoned property? I don't know of any website for abandoned property. I was just reading out of American jurisprudence about abandoned property because I'm being accused of abandoning a vessel. And you'll find um, that a lot of these foreclosures are done based on abandonment as well, even though it's not done properly. See, not, they never do it properly once you know what they're supposed to do. But if you don't know what they're supposed to do, how are you supposed to know that they didn't do it? 
You see, it's a catch-22. You can't catch them at, at, their, at what they're not doing if you don't know what they're supposed to do. And you can't catch them on what they're doing is that they're not supposed to. Again, it's the same thing. What are they authorized to do? If you know everything that they're authorized to do, then you can sit there and say, not just say, oh, show me where your authorization is. You can say, hey, here is the way you're supposed to do it. This is how you're supposed to do it. There's no authorization for the way you're doing it. You miss this, 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 and this step. We've talked about this many times. They are fairly predictable. They're, they're going to skip steps. Now they're going to file counterfeit documents and improper charges, but they're going to make assumptions and presumptions. And what they're going to do is get people to, to defend themselves, and by defending themselves, they basically uh, give veracity to the charges instead of just saying, prove it. Show me what you got. So there's, there's that tendency that we have to defend ourselves instead of just saying, hey, you've got to prove it, Bubba, particularly in criminal charges, <clears throat> which they can't do. And again, it comes down to even in the civil stuff, show me. Show me the contract. Show me where the authority comes from. Show me where my obligation is. You can't. Let's see, guest number five. Uh, your property is yours and you gave no entitled to right to amend, to admin. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. But you need to put up these days, you need to put notices up, you know, no trespassing signs so it becomes very clear. And it is pretty powerful. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, again, I want to reiterate uh, the private side that um, that the foreclosures, I've had more success on the private side, even after the foreclosure, in preventing the people from being thrown out if they'll stay in their homes. And the way you do that is you take the evidence that you have of criminal activity and you then send it directly to different parties. And when you get those parties to admit or deny, which most of the time, they, like in my case, what they did is I did a counter-complaint because what I did is I did a, a um, an admission statement to them and I said it basically admit or deny that you hired, and I sent this to U.S. Bank, one, one West Bank, and, and Mears, and all the parties that were supposedly part of the foreclosure. And I, and I said, did you hire Deborah K. Kern at all, which was the, the, the foreclosing attorney, to do a foreclosure on your behalf? So I went through and asked like four or five questions to, you know, to, to box them in there. And then, of course, the next question uh, near the end, uh, it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I could have asked at the beginning because I knew they were going to have to fill in all the check boxes, but then they were going to have to white them all out again because uh, I said, did you authorize Deborah K. Curran to file counterfeit and fraudulent documents onto the land records and into the court records? And then I gave, and I, and I gave courtesy copies along with it. So even though I didn't get the judges to listen, Guess what? The companies did. And so what they did to protect their ass so they wouldn't be charged with having one of their agents uh, filing counterfeit. And I, I, I think I happened to put in the statutes and law in there that they carry 10 years, uh, 5 years, 10 years, and so on. Um, and each, each one of them is a charge. And that included, and then I went and did the accessory and so on and so forth. Um, and that they were their principal. So, and I asked them, are you their principal of the agent that's working for you? And if so, send me a copy of their contract. And I wanted to verify it. 
And if not, well, it was really interesting because the attorney, they sent a different attorney firm, not the foreclosing attorneys. And this was a trick. It took me a long time to figure out that sometimes they haven't hired anyone to do a foreclosure. Now, by this time, I had already gotten letters from several different places. In particular, I think it was the trust fund. Because let's go back to those that are put into these these REMIC trust funds, okay, these, these servicing and pooling agreements. If your mortgage is put in there, how is it possible that it can be taken out? The investor, what they've done is they've taken, let's say, uh, let's say that you have a big, huge jar of pennies, okay, and you've got a bunch of pennies in there, and... You just throw them all in there and you say, I've got 5 million pennies. Now, obviously, no investor wants to buy outright any pennies. But if you say, if you can show that you have 5 million pennies and, they, and these pennies are made out of copper, the original ones made out of pot, copper, so they're going to increase in value over time. So you then sell uh, certificates based on, uh, on the, the increased value of copper over a period of time. Actually, nickel is, is even better what nickels used to be anyway, um, then the investors would buy, you know, a, a they would buy a certificate which represented a portion of the 5 million pennies, okay? Well, obviously, if you're going to take a handful of pennies out, the investors no longer have the percentage that they had before. So either you have to have another mortgage or pennies to go and take its place, which, wait a minute, there's a real problem with that because the way these trusts are set up, again, reading is very important because when you go read these trust agreements, you will see that they have a closing date. And they have a final closing date, which is the last day that anyone can be put anything in it. And the reason for that is because it's a tax, uh, it's basically a tax aversion thing. So by averting the taxes, they have to have the full amount in there within a certain period of time. And that's it. It's the cutoff. It's closed. It's done. It's toast. So how then can they take a mortgage out without screwing up the whole trust? And they can't put another one in there because the doors have already been closed. So this really begins to start pondering on the mind, how is it possible? And, it, and you'll find out that it is impossible. So as a result, what's really fascinating is that these trusts are still holding your note or your, your alleged note which is actually they don't, the note's not there. It's the deed of trust that they really want because they're misapplying, the, misusing the deed of trust. The deed of trust is only there and is to be activated. I finally found a word I was looking for. Activated. That particular deed of trust is nothing. It has no intrinsic value. It's not supposed to do anything. It's not supposed to have anything. It is just sitting there. It's a just-in-case policy. Okay? It's as a last resort. But what they've done is they've turned it into an instrument and they've used it as an investment instrument and making money off of it without your authority and without you benefiting from it, without any payment to you. But that's what they've done. They put it into these servicing and pooling agreements and then they're pretending that the value of that deed of trust, which is the full value uh, either of, of the alleged note, even though you may have paid it down. I mean, the whole thing is convoluted as hell when you look at it. And it's it's fixed. It's complete. It's complete thin air. And talk about thin air money. They just they put all these deeds of trust in there, which are absolutely worthless until the lender actually activates it 
And by doing certain things, he activates the deed of trust, which then causes the property that could cause the property to be sold. But that's the only value they're supposed to have, is in the event of. You know, it's like having a spare tire, but you're selling the spare tire. <laughs> you know, you're running around, and the funny thing is they keep putting the same, they take pictures of the spare tire, and they keep putting these pictures into all these servicing and pooling agreements. Okay? I mean, that's really what's going on when you really know the truth. And they're collecting, and then they sell dividends off of that and derivatives off of that. Oh, my God, it's, a, it's an, an amazing, uh, complete uh, facade. It's just uh, unbelievable. But anyway, the point is, is that when uh, you can actually do inquiries, I'm trying to get Tony to do this now. I've been trying to get him to do it for a month. I'm just mentioning it for people who might know that uh, you can send letters asking, uh, and, and the way I think it should be done is just my opinion, um, is to say, I want to um, pay off the loan. You know, I want to pay it off. What is, you don't need to tell them that you're paying it off. You need to ask, but you're alluding that you want to pay it off. And um, this is the craft of, again, writing without saying, you know, you learn how to become an attorney, how to do some writing and get what you want without committing yourself. So you would basically say, I'm hereby making a request for what the payoff amount is um, and and requesting copies of this for my accountant. Now, that's also worked for me as well. And if you phrase it that way, it will never get to an attorney. It will just go through the normal channels. That's the whole key here, how to disguise yourself, to wear many hats, to put on many personas, to be many personalities, which we've heard people talk about. And everyone wants to run away from these personas and the old cap's name and so on. And the more I come around to it, I say, why not utilize it to our advantage, okay? Why get rid of an old cap's name if it's useful to you? Why get rid of a benefit if it benefits you? It just why get rid of statutes of the law if that's what you can use to enforce? You see, it doesn't make, and that's how you know that this stuff is counter-controlled um, uh, uh, um, Opposition, because what it does in almost all opposition, it will deprive yourself of some right, some privilege, some benefit, uh, or some power. Okay, think about it. You're going to expatriate. You're going to expatriate yourself. You think of what they're telling you. You're expatriating from the corporation United States, but the corporation United States is again another another creation of us. So why would you want to expatriate yourself from something that you're the CEO of or certainly a shareholder of? It just doesn't make any sense. Why would you not be, and we've had this discussion, why would you not want to be a 14th Amendment citizen considering that a 14th Amendment citizen has all of their rights, privileges, and immunities protected? Because right now you don't have anything. So to me, uh, you know, maybe later on when, you know, when you can show that a a non-citizen, a non-United States citizen, or a non-citizen of the state in which you reside, and remember in the 14th it said you're a dual citizenship, you're a citizen of the United States, in the same way that the states, the, uni the states themselves are united and they're part of the Union States, known as the United States, okay? But again, even if it's a corporation and you can look at it, that's to your advantage because a corporation can have its corporate charter pulled. So we've got to start thinking of being powered, empowered, instead of relinquishing our powers, which is what all of these Contel pro-garments do. 
So think about that for a couple minutes. Um, going on about the uh, the private. So if you send them a letter saying, I want to know, I'm so, uh, you know, given a certain situation, I want to pay off amount as my account needs to know what the payoff is. I'm thinking of, you know, you can make any excuse you want or don't make any excuse at all, just request it. But do it in such a manner that makes sense. As if you, as a secretary, whoever opens the letter, it looks like it's just a general request, not some. You dirty, rotten bastards, you foreclosed on me two years ago, and now I'm going to make requests. No. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And I, I'm saying it because I just did it the day. I put in parentheses, improperly labeled defendant. It, it, why? It was stupid. It was it was me. You know, it was dumb. It was my, my ignorance, again, trying to, you know, go too far with it. You don't need to do that. So I got yelled at, so I'm sharing it with you guys. Um, and by the way, if people get upset for people yelling at them, don't understand that the people that are yelling at them care enough to yell at them, okay? And, uh, you know, it, this is an extremely important thing, to recognize that when you finally trust somebody or you can trust somebody, they're yelling at you, and I don't mean in a bad way necessarily, but they have their best interest in mind. Then know that they have your best interest in mind. You can't take offense to your your friend who's looking out for you for saying, watch out for that snake. You know, don't don't step on the road. There's, there's a car coming. You know, you don't look at your friend who's yelling at you, get out of the road, get out of the road. You know, you do what your friend says right away first. And then, then maybe you, you can't see here you didn't see it maybe it was a glare on the on the uh, asphalt road which has happened you know I've lost a dog that way almost always my dog's been run over by silver cars so trust your friends okay that's, I'll just leave it at that trust your friends when your friends tell you something that may hurt or be painful you know they're there to help you not hurt you you've got enough enemies you don't need to be making enemies out of your friends, okay? And it's not just their opinion. Most of the time, they they can see something that you can't see. And, um, you know, if not, then, you know, fine. Fight about it later. But most of the time, the people that I trust, have, they've been right. You know, when you look at it, you know, oh, you know, and think about the real situation, you go, yeah, he was right. Or she was right, or whoever was right. And it's not, it's not a bad thing on you. That's what friends are for because you don't need to, you know, you, you don't need to, you know, drool and say thank you. I always say thank you anyway, but you don't like, you know, oh, you're such a better person than me. That's, that's not the point. Okay? It's just not the point. You Be thankful. But if you think somebody's better than you and they're willing to take time, then okay, fine. Then how much, how much more fantastic is that? If somebody's willing to take time and effort and energy to, to yell at you and, you know, get their head, you know, get themselves yelled at by you by a reaction. It's completely unnecessary. So we need to learn how to humble ourselves and learn and progress. There's only mistake that you make is the one you don't learn from. All right? The only mistake that you make is the one you do not learn from. So if you make a mistake and you refuse to learn from it, that's the mistake. Otherwise, it's just a lesson. Uh, moving on. So I suggest... Uh, that people begin to do this, create your record. It's not going to happen overnight. Forget about it. So you have to do this methodically, and you have to do it consistently. So you send it. You get a letter 
um, for your tax. I've done it that way, too. I've gotten almost everything, including the electronic funds transfer sheet, believe it or not. And I got that because <coughs> I said that, um, oh, I was so, I had actually had a lady do it for me. Uh, and, and I trained her how to do it. I said, oh, my accountant says that we might be audited, and I'm so scared because we don't have those files, and I don't want to happen to them. I got divorced a couple years ago, and I lost all my files, and I don't know what's going on. Can you please send me a copy? And then the lady at the other end says, well, what do you need a copy? Says, everything, everything. I want. To, I need the, the whole thing. Says, well, ma'am, you need to send a list. And so what's your name? And you know, my name is Cynthia. Can I, can I make sure that I send it to you? Can you take care of it? Yes, I can. You can get me those documents? Yes. If they can't, then you want to talk to the person who can. And then you want to get their name up at care of, and you put their name on it, the department that they're at. You want to be friendly with them. So when they receive the letter, they'll remember you. And you do little smiley faces or little things, you know, those, those cutesy little things that, that women love, okay? Or people, people like, even guys, you know, a little smiley face or some kind of sticker that just gives them that tiny little smile when they're in that little cubicle, you know, just dealing with, with idiots all day long, okay? Think of it from that point of view. So uh, when they get your letter, guess what they're going to do? They're going to get all the documents for you. They'll actually get out of their chair and they'll walk down to Fred's booth and they'll get a copy from there and they'll go down here and they'll get over here and they'll get all your documents together and they'll put them in it, including the electronic, electronic funds transfer sheet. Not always, but sometimes if it's on the list. And you just blend it in there, you know. Um, and, and, and they go and they'll go check off the list. They'll put everything in the envelope and they'll send it to you. And then you have it. At the very least, and you, want to, and you don't want to ask for too much at one time. And you can come back and say, oh, my, my, my accountant says that I still need this document and that document. Can you get me those? And, like, and that's, I think, what we did with electronic funds transfer sheet is um, because you said, what do you need that for? Said, well, because we need to determine as to when interest actually began to be charged because it may seems to be that there might be a dispute as to the hour and day that interest was being charged so that it could be written off on the tax returns. Oh, yeah, we'll get it to you right away, okay? And, um, but on this other ladder, this is a very simple, hey, I want to I pay off amount and any accounting of the account that you may have. That's it. You don't ask for a whole lot. And uh, so when they send it back to you, they'll pay off amount. They'll have an account number. They'll have whatever accounting they have. Well, guess what? If you've already been foreclosed on or you're in foreclosure, how the hell can it still be in the trust? And how the hell can there be a payoff amount? You see what I'm getting at? So you're getting the information you need, and you don't want to sit there and say, so I can screw you guys later give you all this information. That's not how you do it. This is what I was doing the other day, improperly labeled. Okay, who cares? Not important right now. You know, so that's something I suggest that people do is to constantly send directly to the companies or call them up first, get a contact there, and request, uh, you know, any account you can get, a payoff amount, um, and so on and so forth. And once they do, then you have circumstance, well, you have prima facie evidence that there is still an account open, that the deed of trust is still being used, uh, which to them it's the note. Uh, that the note is still being used in its full value in the trust. So how is it possible that it's been taken out 
and put into the hands of a substitute trustee who is now allegedly doing a foreclosure, which they have no authority to do anyway because the deed of trust, there is no provision for that in the deed of trust, by the way. What is this here? Somebody put up guest seven. YouTubenews.ing.forum topic show video on bank fraud. I've seen seen so two hours. Okay, looks like an interesting one. Thank you, guest seven. Um, so that's what I you know what we have to do is make sure we lay it out in a nice orderly manner. So if you could show that you have one, maybe even two or three companies, different ones that are saying that they have the um, they have the quote-unquote loan, uh, we've got a problem, don't we? Because how can there be three claimants now? So anyway, we sent this stuff off uh, to the different ones and asked them, did you also authorize them? To, and in this case, I got from SalemDeeds.com, Salem Deeds, Massachusetts, the head, deed, the head of the, uh, the Register of Deeds, Registrar of Deeds, he will send you an affidavit if the name is on the robo-signer, an affidavit that he is a known robo-signer. So you, you put that, the courts don't pay attention to any of this, but uh, on the foreclosure courts. Uh, obviously, when you build a case properly uh, and bring it into federal court, they may or may not. I don't know. I haven't gone there yet. But I'm suggesting this works so far on the private side. You send that to the corporations, and then they go, they want to get as far away from any fraud that there is. That's why the that's why the corporations themselves, the banks themselves, are not doing the foreclosures. And what you're doing is you're also getting away from the attorneys that are doing the foreclosure. You're going around behind their back because they can't show and don't show, and the courts won't make them show their contract showing that they are in fact authorized to do the foreclosure. They create all that on, on their own. So you need to go directly to the companies themselves and get documents directly and so you create a rapport between you and the company. But if you piss them off, first thing they'll do is refer it to an attorney firm. Now, in this particular case, I got a letter from an attorney firm that said, we're not signing any affidavits because I required them to put it in an, into an affidavit form that they had indeed um, authorized Deborah K. Kern to, um, to not only do a foreclosure but to file um, false documents. Well, okay, so I learned something. I don't need to don't need to do that at this point. You need to do it stealthy. You need to do it slow. You need to build it a little bit by little bit by little bit. Because all you really need is a letter on letterhead. Because they don't have that in the foreclosure documents. They don't have any affidavits. They don't have any of the uh, uh, the, the authorization on letterhead paper. Isn't that interesting? Now, why would they not? Considering I'm a nobody. I'm not even an attorney, and I sent them a request, and guess what they sent it back on? Letterhead paper of the bank that it's on. So, you know, now it becomes pretty blatant where you go, hey, which one do you think is the right one, okay? You know, it's kind of like the difference between I've got a warranty deed and you have a deed that says no warranty expressed or implied. Which one do you think trumps? I've got letters here which look official, they're straight on a piece of paper, and they have letterhead on them, and they came directly from the company. Which one do you think is a fake and which one isn't? This one has no letterhead, no nothing, and it's not even, it's crooked as hell on a piece of paper. Which one do you think is authentic? It's a no-brainer. And you want to collect it and collect it and build it. Finally, after I collected enough of this stuff, um, I was able to use it to stop the ones that were coming here to 
basically to to uh, throw me out without going to court. Again, they skipped that process. Um, um, and I, when I sent them the next letter, they, uh, the attorney, when I brought a counter complaint on them, actually, I wasn't able to do anything else, but I did manage to do that one thing in all my fighting, tried to quiet title, got knocked by the court by this particular judge. And it was funny because it was every single time the same judge, same judge, same judge. And I started noticing that the attorneys were not receiving my mail. They were actually sending it back. I'm like, what? What I found out is that they have a network within the court system itself. So anytime I was sending anything to anybody, they were getting it. It was coming straight to them. So that's why I decided to get the letter, get the get the actual addresses, and find out where to to send it to the people of each and every bank, uh, trust, etc. Those people that that uh, that are the real people. And when you do that, you'll find out that they have no authority whatsoever. So guess what? When I finally had this collection of evidence. And then I, I, I had the evidence that these were robo-signed documents by Brian Burnett, and I laid them all out. You know, here he is, the vice president, the assistant vice president, the, uh, the authorized agent of not only the assignor but the assignee. I mean, come on, three times. Give me a break, okay? And, um, and then um, uh, I forget the name of the other guy. He was also a robo-signer, and it wasn't on letterhead. So when I sent it to them, a separate attorney firm, said that they do, in fact, represent Mears One West and U.S. Bank. And they said, we had nothing to do with the foreclosure. What? That's really interesting because according to the documents that 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 the attorneys filed for the foreclosure were, were alleged documents that were signed on behalf of One West Bank, U.S. Bank, and Mears. So here we have One West Bank, U.S. Bank, and Mears attorneys saying on proper letterhead paper, we had none of our clients, none of the U.S. Bank Mears or U.S. Bank had anything to do with any foreclosure. Oh? Now that's pretty strong evidence. Once again, the court's not looking at it. They don't care. Because there, it's all a racket. We understand that. But what is interesting is when I put all those documents together in a package and I sent it to um, the different representatives of the different corporations, um, as Alacor, whatever, it is, whatever the hell the name of it is, big company. This one that scared me into this. Um, I haven't heard anything from them, but they sent me an assessment, and I haven't heard from them since. And nobody's been taking. Uh, yes, guess five. I, I, I that's what I'm studying to do, and I'm just sharing it with everyone else. What my process has been so far, and that's why I'm studying. And we've been, we were reading anyway the uh, federal, the practices, um, federal practices manual, so that um, we can learn how to do it properly and sue them, even though we know they're not going to go to jail. But at least I'll get some money put in my pocket, and uh, um, I'll be able to do the quiet title after, after that when I get the, when I get that done, and maybe some other concessions as well. So that's where we're at. Um, and this is the this is um, this is certainly a step that has worked, um, and I think it's worthwhile. At least you have it on the private side, and I think it's something people need to understand is that you need to establish things on the private side first. And um, um, thank you. And then once you have all of your evidence, then you you can do 
your filings and your requests and your defaults and everything else, all that stuff is good. And then when you no longer get it, then you go and you can pursue uh, the courts and you bring it into the public, and now you're the plaintiff. And if you lay it out properly and you have your court cases and you have your statutes and your laws and you have your, um, 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 what is it, the um, um, case law, which is court cases, previous court cases that established this in that state, uh, you have a much better chance of winning because now you're the plaintiff and in a civil suit, the plaintiff's considered telling the truth on everything until properly rebutted by the other side. And that's the issue I began to realize. Everyone's complaining, everyone's bitching and moaning, and everyone's bringing a little bit of evidence. Nobody's actually laying it out properly the way it's supposed to be done. And uh, and that, that's kind of what we've been studying and sharing and, and learn, ouch, learning um, uh, to do on on this 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 show anyway. Um, so we're going to probably next time I have some more time. I got to cut, cut out because the battery. I'm not the battery, but the minutes are about to conk out here. Again, I'm going to ask people if they can to donate. I don't care if it's five or ten dollars. Uh, right now, uh, that would make a big difference to me. Uh, Truthmonger two, the number two, Truthmonger two at gmail.com. We'll go to my PayPal account. You can send it snail mail. I'll type it in there. Um, uh, 15013 Shaw Road, S-C-H-A-L Road, Echo Keek, Maryland, 20607. Uh, much appreciated uh, to keep. So, you know, I'm actually on a borrowed phone right now. This is like almost a month now that I've been on a borrowed phone. I mean, we're only talking $43 for for my phone, but I have to tell you, if you sent me some money, I'm going to buy some food with it because I need it. Um, I've humbled myself down to looking at getting food stamps even, which I've never done before. But once again, it's there. It's a benefit. I paid into it. You paid in. Everyone's paid. It's there for a reason. The only problem is it takes 30 days to get it. So, I mean, you know, I'm starve to death in 30 days and get the food stamps. I mean, that's typical, you know, particularly if you've ever been around the District of Columbia. You know, you always know that you've missed an exit because they tell you that you just missed it. <laughs> I always tell people. And then they always put the sign after the exit, you know. <laughs> so, um Anyway, I better cut out of here because I'm running out of minutes. I appreciate everybody who tunes in, turns on, and, and does anything and helps out. Um, and you have a wonderful night. Thank you, Guest 5. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. Good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.